welcome to the Record Rangers podcast. I'm Johnny McFarlane and I'm joined as ever by Scott McDermott as we look back on a tumultuous game at Celtic Park on Sunday. Rangers running out 2-1 victors in the end, their first win at Celtic Park for nine years. It was an incredible game, Scott. The question is where to start for a podcast host. So rather than going into the detail of the game, I just want to know, what does this mean for Rangers? Well, it's a huge moment, Johnny, for Rangers and for Steven Gerrard um, and also obviously in the context of this season's title race. Um, listen, we all know what's happened uh, with Rangers in the past uh, the past few years against Celtic. You mentioned the record at Celtic Park. Um, I think it was a huge psychological barrier for Rangers to, to try and win there. Um to win a really meaningful game against Celtic. Um I think for Steven Gerrard himself as a manager he had to you know, he had to go there and win, especially after losing the, the first old firm game at Ibrox and obviously the, the, the cup final after that. Um so it just felt like a real kind of seminal moment for, for Rangers and Gerrard. Um and I think it could be a huge a huge turning point for the club and also in this uh, this title race. Yeah, because a lot of people are saying, well Rangers won the game this time last year and it all imploded in January. But yeah. there's a there's a crucial difference, isn't there, Scott? Number one, the game was at Parkhead. Number yep. two, it's Rangers this time who have the game in hand, as opposed to the other way around. Yeah. And, and and number three this is not the same Rangers team. And anyone who's no. trying to say that there hasn't been a significant increase in quality and mentality just isn't really reading the tea leaves, are they? Yeah, that and that that's the key thing. The, the third element to that, it, it's the fact um, of the way this Rangers team are performing, the style of football, the, the, the personality they've got, the fact that they've now... Um, dominated Celtic in the last two Old Firm games, both at Hamden and at, at Celtic Park. Um, in terms of Celtic, I mean, people talk about you know, Celtic now realise that, that they're in a title race, they realise Rangers are here. You know, I've, I've heard that a couple of times in the past few days. I don't think it's that. I think you know, they were aware of Rangers' challenge. I think the most worrying thing for Celtic will be the manner uh, of the two perform the last two performances against Rangers, where this Rangers team that let's be honest, Stephen Gerrard's assembled in the space of eighteen months. Apart from Ryan Kent, he's not spent a great deal of money on it. You think of guys like you know, guys like Kamara who's come in, Arfield on a free, McGregor on a free. He's assembled this team in eighteen months, and in that time, we're now at a point where Rangers seem to be playing better football than Celtic, have a bit more style about them, uh, look more of a threat on the counter-attack. Um, obviously, they have individual talents within that who can hurt opposition. Um, and I think that the control that Rangers have had in the last two Old Firm games will be a, a real worry for, for Celtic and for Neil Lennon moving forward. Yeah, the two things that jump out at you, Scott, other than the obvious quality that's inherent in this Rangers squad, and they, they, they hold the ball really, really well. Steven Gerrard often yeah. talks about take caring take yeah. of the football, and they, they certainly did that uh, on Sunday. But the, the two things that stand out to me, fitness number one. Steven Gerrard came in and made a huge thing about fitness, and for me, you can see it as a layman, game in, game out, that this Rangers team 
are incredibly yep. fit. Now, I remember the yep. days when a Rangers player would take off his top and the after a game and the odd one would look a little bit like a normal guy. <laughs> you, you look at Borna Barisic after the game, he looks like a, a, a middleweight boxer. These yeah, guys are... Ta- Tavernier was the same. These guys are conditioned to win within an inch of their life. These are Premier League standards that have been brought by Steven Gerrard. That's the yeah. first thing. The second thing, uh, Scott, is... I think this might be the most tactically sophisticated Rangers team of the last 25 years. Uh, I don't want to go into all the detail because we're not experts on it. But if you just think about the way that this team operates with the the fullbacks pushed right up, but they're so well covered by that midfield, the way that midfield uh, holds on to the ball, gets forward, but at the same time drops into the spaces uh, that the, the, the fullbacks leave. Then you've got the movement of the front three, the way they drop into the the space occupied um, by, by the way the, because the midfield are obviously pulled back. It's yeah. very it's not it's non traditional, but it works so well. And in every phase of play, you get the sense that every player knows exactly where they should be. Yeah, that that's the thing. I mean, with those two things, I mean, fitness wise, just to use one example, I mean, you look at Stephen Davis. And Stephen Davis's fitness levels when he came in last season uh, were such that he couldn't even get into the team. I mean, he was left out of a squad at, at Pataudry for one game, if you remember, and people were questioning whether you know, Rangers were even going to take him back this season. If you look at his performance on Sunday, I mean, I thought it was between him and Barisic were, were man of the match. I thought Davis was just outstanding in that. Uh, in that sitting midfield role, I thought he controlled the whole game. I thought he's, you know, closing down gaps and spaces, you no know, winning second balls. I, I just thought it was immense for a guy who, you know, a few years ago, that wasn't his natural position. But you're talking about fitness. I mean, he was a guy. I know he got taken off right at the end, but you no, know, in the last ten minutes, he looked as fit as he did in the, the first ten minutes. So that shows you the work. That Gerard or you know, if it's Jordan Milsom or whatever in at the uh, the training centre shows the difference in Davis fitness wise has been incredible. And in terms of tactics, I agree with you. Listen, they're, you know, they're still not the finished art, of course. I'm sure Gerard will tell you that there's still room for improvement, things you can work on, things you can tweak. And one of the criticisms tactically, probably in the last 18 months, is that Gerard's had this way of playing and maybe hasn't been very flexible with it. No, at, at times, probably fans wanted wanted a change, wanted them to tweak it slightly, you know, different opposition, etc. But he stuck with it, and the big advantage of sticking with that system um, and that formation, as you say, is that it is now so well-drilled into these players that now, 18 months on, you're really seeing the, the fruits of all that work, where, as you say, every player... Knows exactly what he, what his job is on the pitch. No, they're carrying it out to a letter. I mean, there was there was literally in terms of their off the ball work, um, out of possession work in terms of covering spaces and filling in gaps. It was uh, it was almost to a T, um, and that that's huge credit to Gerard and the, the coaching team. Yeah, I remember reading a book about Johan Cruyff and how he uh, addressed space as a manager. And he was saying yeah. that when you're defending, you contract, and when you're attacking, you expand. And that yeah. just sums up the way Rangers are with it and does. without the ball. You saw them yep. so often, James Tavernier and Borna Barisic tucked right in, ceding yep. a bit of space in the wide areas, 
But in doing that, they, they, they really, really congested that middle part of the pitch and, yeah. and dominated in there because of that. I, I don't know about you, John. I think the key to that system is when we're talking about you no know, filling gaps and spaces and you no know, out of possession. What the key to that system is the two midfielders either side of Davis. You no, know, the amount of running they have to do going uh, going from in to out and back again as the two fullbacks go forward, I think is incredible because you no, know, if you're Glenn Kamara or Ryan Jack. No, you would ordinarily you would be worried about moving out of that space, you no, know, to get into the wider area and cover you no know, the winger because you're leaving space in the middle. But as we say, as we've said, because every player knows his job, every player knows where they should be out of possession, it just worked an absolute treat. And of course you need players, you no, know, with that work ethic, the desire, you no, know, the, the discipline. And Jack and Kamara are two that, that give you that you no know, end you no know, boundless energy, real kind of tactical discipline, and crucially when they get possession so composed on the ball, because that's the thing, you see so many players who put a shift in, they do so much running off the ball that when they get it, they're actually tired on the ball. Um and listen, I don't think Ryan Jack had his best game in possession on Sunday. But his work rate and what he did for the team uh, was exceptional. I thought Kamara was outstanding again. Um, and listen, you're right, it's as near to a... No, away from home in an old firm game, it's as near to a kind of perfect performance as you're going to get. Yeah, on that midfield, Scott, I think it's interesting to compare it against Celtic. Um, yeah. Actually, you know, incidentally, I think part of the problem that Celtic had is kind of similar to what Scotland have, which is... You're trying to shoehorn Ryan Christie and uh, and McGregor into the same midfield. Neither has really got any defensive nous about them. No. What it meant was that Scott Brown, who actually had a decent game, uh, yeah. was up against three midfielders who were all all over the pitch, thundering into challenges, given no quarter, and it was three against one. While these other two are sort of popping about and dangerous positions they look like players who were still playing in a Brendan Rodgers team uh, Callum yeah. McGregor's absolutely excellent at popping up in that I mean I'm going to go down the, the tactical spod route here by being a real <laughs> boring git but people are always talking about this half space now and to explain what that is to anyone who doesn't know imagine where a number 10 would normally be and where a winger would normally be the winger would be tight yeah, on the touchline and the number number 10 is in the middle of the pitch the half space is the space in between and it's a corridor that is used, uh, I think it was popularised first by Pep Guardiola, and you see his fullbacks often popping up in that area. It's an area where you can often find a bit of space. McGregor is brilliant at finding himself <coughs> in that particular space. And he was constantly floating in there on that left-hand side. But Rangers are so well organised and so set up to deal with that. He was totally and utterly shut down. And then yeah. it meant that there was the space that he was floating into, vacated space in the middle, that Rangers were able to again dominate. So yeah. I thought Celtic were just completely outfought and outmanned and out physiqued in that midfield area. Yeah, but I think you, know, you touched on it there. The, the, the difference with Celtic is they wanted to get McGregor into, uh, wanted to get Christie into the number ten position. No, it was a bit more rigid than Rangers with Brown and McGregor pretty much sitting trying to get Christie into into space. You just wonder. But McGregor's not right. a sitter, Scott. That, I, honestly, honestly I, I just I think this is going to be a major problem for Scotland. Yeah. People think McGregor's a sitter. He's absolutely not. People get carried away with how good a player Alan, uh, uh, Cal McGregor is. Um, they th- you know, 
they talk about, you know, the way he manipulates the ball and that, and, and that's all terrific. And Andrea Pirlo could dominate the midfield from that low-lying yeah. playmaker position. But Andrea Pirlo had Gattuso around him. You know, yeah. uh, Scott Brown, with all due well, respect, is getting on about. Yeah, that's what I was saying about, about Stephen Davis. I mean, Stephen Davis is a you know, similar type of player to Callum McGregor. He certainly was a, a few years ago, and he's and he's kind of pumped. But you're right, if you're using Callum McGregor as a sitter, you would, you'd then need a... No, you'd need a 26-year-old Scott Brown in front yeah. of him, the way Davis has got Jack and, and Kamara. Um, and as I say, that that's the difficulty. And you just wonder whether at times if Celtic would be better just having Brown as a sitter, but using McGregor and Christie either side, no, without a, without a number 10. But I, I think against listen, this that, Rangers midfield, Scott, that won't work because they just don't have the tactical discipline that those Rangers players yeah. have. These Rangers yeah. three are arguably not as good in terms of as individual players as the Celtic yeah. ones. Now, listen, Rangers fans listening to this will be upset by that. Um, I'm just trying to give my unvarnished opinion on that. But I yeah. think the Rangers three is much stronger and, and will always beat that Celtic three as it stands. Or yeah. most of the time will. Because I think you're right. They're I drilled. think you're right. But, but in the context of the game, I'm just saying they might have been better trying to match up no, and trying yeah. to go... Almost kind of man for man with Brown sitting in the two the two ahead um, because certainly trying to get Christie into the, into the ten and as you say having McGregor no kind of sitting or trying to float into that area where he was just being rounded out um, certainly wasn't working um, and it's the same or pretty much the same in the in the cup final and Celtic are going to need to no moving forward Celtic are going to need to come up with a come up with an answer to that. Well, there was a lot made about the cup final and Odds and Eduard not being there. Neil Lennon talked about it before the game. But actually, Scott, I think we saw that the most important player that was missing in that cup final was Stephen Davis. We've touched on him. But in terms exactly. of in terms of Christie being in that number 10 position, Davis was there almost every time just to snatch that ball away yep. at the last second. Yeah, it was... Uh, there were so many occasions when balls get fired into Edward where Davis was pretty much on his toes in front of him. And you know, when you consider what Davis did on the ball in terms of keeping the ball and moving Rangers forward, the fact that he was also able to do this role of sitting in front, no, keeping an eye on Christie, but crucially stopping the supply in Edward. And just a lot of the time it wasn't even no, it wasn't tackles, it was just basically um kind of crowding Edward out and getting in and around his, his feet. He just wasn't allowing him to take it in and turn, bring others into play the way you know, so used to seeing Edward uh, do. And as I said, that's why I thought, that's actually why I thought uh, Davis and Barisic were, were just like a level above. Um, and Barisic, for his all-round game, but the two assists um, were superb. And Davis, for doing that, Role as I say, no, being that start and knowing you've got a guy like Ryan Christie to keep an eye on, but also having the you know the discipline and the wherewithal to know that you know, a key part of that job was to stop stop supply getting into Edward and get getting in and, in and around him and not letting them play. And as I say, I thought that worked uh, uh, that worked a treat for Rangers as well and was crucial to them getting the getting the victory. Has there ever been a player that's had a turnaround like Borna Barisic, maybe with the exception of Mark Haitley? I think Haitley's a great example. I think it's that that big. I mean, I can remember when, I know we spoke about it before, but I can remember when Mark Haitley signed. Um, I can remember fans 
reaction to him. Um, I actually can still remember some of the game, watching some of the game, early games that he played in, and his touch was out and balls bouncing off him. And well, punters wanted him. Uh, punters thought it was a terrible signing at the time. Um, you consider what Mark Haley went on to achieve at Rangers. You're right. I mean that was that was the turnaround of all turnarounds. Um, I, no, I, I don't know if Barisic is quite at that level yet in terms of you no know, what what he might go and achieve for Rangers, but certainly. The kind of early signs are that uh, no, it's been a remarkable uh, progression for him um, for the start of this season. Um, I keep going back to it. We spoke about it. You know, that opening day game at Kilmarnock, it just looked absolutely short of confidence. I said at the time he was playing with his head down. He wasn't playing forward. He wanted to get rid of the ball at every opportunity. I mean, it was a guy utterly bereft of of self-belief and confidence. And yet you look at him on Sunday and it's just uh, it's just incredible. I mean, he's he's now, by by a distance, the best left-back in the league. We're already hearing after Sunday, you know, now clubs in Europe kind of looking at him and monitoring, which, which doesn't surprise me. Um, and I just thought, no, for a, for a foreign player, no, going to Celtic Park, no, he's not played many old firm games. Um, he's up against James Forrest, one of the best players in the country on his day. Um, and for me to play as he did, both defensively, but to come up with the, the two assists, particularly the first one where he, where he shows brilliant composure, a great pick out for, for Ryan Kent. Um, I th- just thought he was outstanding for, for 90 minutes. And I think I'm going to hold my hands up, Scott. I, I thought that it was time to get rid of Bona Barisic in the summer because I genuinely yeah. felt that he wasn't going to adapt to Scottish football. So I think Stephen Gerrard deserves a lot of credit for that because I think yeah. I wasn't alone in, in thinking that. And he really gave him the extra time to settle in. He obviously saw something was was in there. Yeah. Uh, and and, and you know, it would have been so easy just to call, call time on that. I think we might also have to go back to some of the older podcasts and delete some of the... Mark Allen's propensity to go to Croatia and spend money and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> because that's now looking inspired, isn't it? When you, you factor in Katic and Barisic. Okay, Grez doesn't work out, but the other two, yeah. I think, are going to more than, than uh, make Rangers their money back. Yeah, the other, the other, the other two look, look, look pretty decent. Listen, with ba- ba- Barisic, no, I said in the summer that, that he deserved another crack at it. Um, because I thought there was a no, there was a player in there, but but it was last chance alone for him um, in the summer. And when he came back, as I say, that Kilmarnock game, the opening day of the season, it, it looked as if not much had changed. Uh, it was still you no know, well, well lower confidence, uh, and looked to be lacking a bit of, bit of character, you no know, bit of quality. As you say, didn't it look as if he was going to settle into Scottish football at all. And after that Kilmarnock game, he was left out. I mean, John Flanagan came in. And you did no no fear for him in terms of his Rangers future. It looked as if Gerard was just going to cut his losses. Um, now I know people have missed it, that mentioned the St Mirren goal, which I think was a turning point from when you when you look back on it. Well, Flanagan was out that day, gets back in, scores the winning goal with a great free kick. And I don't know. I mean, it, it's just like a like a switch went off that day. Uh, I don't know what Barisic has done you no know, away from the pitch. He has spoke about how he went away in the summer and kinda of evaluated you know, how he was kinda of loving his life, how he was you know, what he was doing in his career. Yeah, I think he listened and looked at a lot of experienced guys at Rangers, guys like Davis and Arfield and that and how they 
how they went about their business. Um, so whether that's made a difference, I know I'm not sure, but certainly the, the surge in confidence that he's got. I mean, I don't think it could have just came for one goal against St Mirren. I'd, I'd be amazed at that. Um, I'd be surprised if it wasn't you know, work that Gerard and, and his staff have done behind the scenes with, with Barisic. But certainly, um, honestly, I mean, he just looks like a real top-class left-back now, um, you know, defensively and going forward. Um, and he was an absolute key man for, for Rangers on Sunday in terms of, in terms of him getting the, getting the win. Yeah, 27 games so far, two goals. It sh- should actually be three goals because Conor Goldson was given a goal in the early rounds. That's, that's right. I think it was against uh, St. Joseph's. But yeah. uh, crucially, Scott, 13 assists in 27 games. Yeah. Those kind of numbers, if he keeps them up, he could be heading towards the 25-30 assist mark. And yeah. that is numbers that would even eclipse James Tavernier of last season. And I think yeah. that's been crucial because Tavernier, while he was absolutely superb yesterday, hasn't quite hit the heights of last season. Yeah, And and having that um, from Barisic, it really has uh, softened the blow in that sense. And it means Rangers have that equal quality on, on, on either flank. So was, teams I, used I was, to double I, up on Tavernier. They can't do that yeah, now. Yeah, I was going to say, it, it's, the, it's the combination, Johnny. It's having both of them doing it. That's the, that's the big difference. So if Tavernier... No, as maybe a wee bit off it, or no, isn't he hitting the numbers? If you've got Barisic doing it on the other side, or vice versa, if Barisic is a dip, um, no, if Tavernier's doing it, it's just having that double threat for your fullbacks, which is incredible. I mean, no, it's, it's you're talking people talking about uh, Alexander Arnold and Robertson doing it for Liverpool, no, having that twin threat. I mean, there's no many teams. I've got that you know, for both fullbacks that are hitting those kind of numbers and providing that kind of quality um, going forward. So if you no, know, if those two can continue that, um, you no, know, if, if Rangers are going, to, if Rangers are going to, you no, know, go and put a serious, uh, a serious challenge for this title, which it looks as if they're going to now. No, that could be. No, certainly one of the key elements, if not the key element, is those two fullbacks um, providing assists and, and goals because no, there's no other clubs getting that for their for their fullbacks. Um, and if those two continue in this uh, this vein of forum, I think it will be absolutely crucial to any any title bid. Before we get to Mr. Box Office himself, Alfredo Morelos, <laughs> let's uh, just touch on Ryan Kent, who I thought worked his backside off in a way that you very seldom see from wingers in this game. He was shuttling back, he was closing down, he was making challenges, but also whenever he got the ball, he looked a threat, and of course his goal was a a really sensational finish. Scott, you've played a bit of football, you know how hard it is to kick a ball like that when there's so much pace on it, and put it in with such a a level of accuracy. Um, So so what what did you make of that finish? Oh, it was a brilliant finish. I mean, when you look at it in slow mo, you know, you see the ball just bobbling in front of him, um, which makes it even more difficult. Barisic deserves great credit for the pace that he put on it. Um, it was pretty much perfect. It, it, it kind of, you know, just tempted Kent to to go for the first time finish, um, and he executed it brilliantly. I mean, Foster. We know how good Foster's been. No, you know, look at the size of him. You see the replays. I mean, he doesn't get anywhere near it, such as the the pace that. Kent gets on it and it goes in off the post. Um, so it was un, it was unsavable really. Um, brilliant finish. Listen, with Ryan Kent, it's quite simple. I mean, Rangers spent seven million pound on him. 
when you go and spend that kind of money, you're 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 signing a guy or you're signing him to to produce in big games. And in Scotland, the big games are the old firm games. Um, and if you're a Rangers player, particularly when you when you go to Celtic Park, that's when you need players to produce. Um, no, you look back over the years, your McCoyst, your Alberts, your your Loudrops, your Gascoigns, no, they all produced at different moments at Celtic Park when Rangers when Rangers really needed them to do it. And Kent, listen, he's no been no, he's maybe no been uh, outstanding since he came since he came back into the team. He certainly had his moments. But when they really needed him uh, on Sunday, he stood up to the, the challenge. I thought it was a constant threat. I mean, aside from his work rate, which was great, no, where Rangers really need him is, is in the final third. And I thought every time Rangers broke or every time Rangers went in the attack, no, I thought his first touch was, was top class pretty much every time. Um, he played others into play. He was making the right decisions, which is crucial um, for a guy like him, a guy in his position. Um, it was just a great outlet um, for Rangers. Um, as I say, he was going past players, but then making the, the right decision to to pass it, um, which as I say is vital for a for a wide player. So, no, I thought he was excellent. Mate. It was hard to pick. No, it was hard to find negatives in that Rangers performance in terms of individual individual players. Um, but again, I thought Kent was was superb and, and Celtic struggled to struggle to deal with. Him. Yeah, 17 games, uh, five goals and three assists. So you look at that, that's definitely an improvement on what he He's getting there. produced yeah. last year. Uh, I think yeah. it was uh, six goals and eight assists last year. Uh, and yeah. He did produce in the big games, but what the what the problem was with Ryan Kent, as we talked about on many occasions, was that he needed to come up with the goods against the likes of Hamilton. Well, we've already seen him do that this season. Yeah. Um, and it looks like he's on a traje- trajectory where he will certainly smash his numbers for nas- last year, which is what you would expect. And I suppose, yeah. Scott, that's been the thing about um, Stephen Gerrard as a Rangers manager. There's not been any huge strides, but month on month, every month, there's a step. Yeah. And yeah. that that's I suppose you can't really ask for much more than that. No, I think I've I think you pretty much look at every player and see how they've how they've progressed gradually and how they've got better. And well, to me that's the sign of a very good manager. No, I go back to, to Brendan Rogers at Celtic, top, top manager. Didn't he make a lot of didn't he make a lot of big signings? Um but come into Celtic and worked with guys like Callum McGregor, like Stuart Armstrong, or James Forrest, just made them better players. Um, and you could see that you know, with your own eyes, which I think is the, the ultimate test for a, for a manager. Can he actually work with a player and make him, and make him better? Uh, I think Rodgers did that at Celtic, and I think Gerard has proven... No, in the early days of his managerial career, uh, that he can do it as well, which is which is really promising. Yeah, absolutely. Right, okay, let's get on to Alfredo Morelos. Scott, <laughs> this was really the quintessential Alfredo Morelos. If someone, performance, if, if someone asked you to distill what he's all about, I mean, he terrorised Celtic throughout this game. Yeah. Uh, he was almost unplayable. He uses his backside so well. Um, yeah. Christoph, Christopher Julian was coming through the back of him and giving away so many fouls because he's just an immovable object. When he gets that ball yeah. in front of him and he's got his back to goal, we've not seen many players with that kind of quality. And uh, no. I, I thought I thought he was absolutely terrific. Um, talk, talk to me about the good side of his game. No, I just thought he was excellent, uh, Johnny, in the game. No, exactly what you would want for your, for your lone striker. Um, 
want to know about his physique and his strength and his power. You know, he used that to, to good effect. Um, you know, pretty much all that was missing really was a goal. Um, he, you know, he had one great chance in the game, even though uh, Chris Farrier did enough just to put him off. He should have still finished. Uh, he should have still finished at the, the chance, kind of six yards out when he when he slides in. Um, he'd won, so that that was one big chance that he missed, and he'll be annoyed at that. And he should have scored it. No, he can kind of break his duck against Celtic. But in terms of his all round performance, as I say, when you go away from home, your biggest rivals, big derby, you want your lone striker to be a focal point. Um, to ruffle the, the two centre-backs, to occupy the two centre-backs. You know, he did that uh, in spades, as you say, Julian. Didn't know how to deal with them at all. Uh, he won Rangers free kicks in dangerous areas, you know, winning them corners. Um, no, it was a, it was a excellent centre-forward display, exactly what, what Gerard would have, would have wanted for him, uh, from um, apart from obviously getting the getting the goal and obviously the red card at the at the end, I take it you felt the red card was merited. Um, I, I think the the first booking it was it was it wasn't a booking in of itself, but probably after I, the, the five or six fouls he'd made. I, I, I don't. I'm not sure, John. I, I think the red card was was harsh. Um, I think the second yellow for going down in the box, you can have no real complaints about, but the. The first yellow card to me, I mean, a wee dunt on, on Scott Brown after the ball's away. I mean, if you were going to book players in old firm games for you know, a wee dunt on a player like that, a wee shoulder charge on a player, I mean, every player in every old firm game, I think, would, would end up getting booked. Um, I thought, I didn't think Morelos had that many fouls before that, that it was a know that it was a kind of totting up exercise. I think, um, I think he, we, we did an, an exercise yesterday and Mark McDougall went through the, the game to assess uh, the decisions and Mark totted up that there had been five fouls prior to that. Yeah, but, but how many How many did Julian had? Yeah, well, that? yeah. I mean, this is a, then it comes down to the question of consistency, absolutely, and yeah, that's a fair point. I, I, thought, I thought, listen, I know a lot's been made of the referee um, and I don't, want to, I don't want to slaughter him, but I mean, he's I thought he had, a, he had a poor game. I thought inconsistency was the biggest was the biggest thing. Um, I'll be honest. I thought for some reason, you know, that first yellow for Morelos. I mean, he practically had the had the card out his pocket before Morelos had, had made the had made the foul. Um, it just seemed well, seemed really keen to get him in the to get him in the get him in the book. Um, and as I say, I think that was that was harsh for two for two. Listen, I'm not saying. Uh, diving is is innocuous, but certainly the first one to me was innocuous. Um, and for to to get sent off for those two incidents, in the context of that game, you consider the amount of fouls, the amount of tackles, everything else that was going on. To get sent off for those two incidents in in the context of that game, you consider everything that went on. Um, as I say, I mean, Julian had four or five fouls on Morelos in the first half. 
somehow didn't uh, didn't get a yellow card. Uh, I thought Ryan Christie and Bolling Goalie, who were already on a yellow card, then committed fouls. Scott, that, that was other. that was inexplicable. Bolling Goalie's uh, one was uh, exactly. <laughs> one of the most was, stonewall red cards you'll ever see. In that, exactly. it was a second booking. I mean, second yellow every every day of the week. So Christie's one as well. By the way, Christie's one was a, a, another yellow card as well. Although it is more open to interpretations based on the yeah. rules. Because, but I, I thought there was a definite deliberate squeeze in there. Yeah. And the other, in terms of inconsistency with the ref, the other thing that should quite rightly up, up Rangers is, you know, there was no problem with the penalty decision. Stephen Gerrard you know, said there was a shot pull, it's a penalty, that's fine. But a referee is giving himself major problems, especially in a game like that, when you give the, the penalty for Celtic um, with a shot pull because you're then putting yourself under real pressure to spot every shot pull in the box. And there was blatant ones after that for both sides, by the way, but, but Rangers certainly two incidents where shots were getting pulled in the box. Clan, uh, Kevin Clancy's looking at it and just ignores it. And I think you're playing a dangerous game. I think as a referee... You're giving yourself real problems. Me decide to give a penalty that early um, for that that kind of incident. Um, and no, you look at the the corner, the corner before uh, the corner that led to Rangers' second goal. I mean, Aribo's shot is getting pulled off his pulled off his back. Um, I think it was Ayer or, or Christie uh, is pulling the pulling the shot off, him. Um, and the referee's looking at it and just ignores it. So, I thought it was a few. No, there was a lot of strange decisions in the game, and inconsistency was the was the key word. Certainly, for Rangers' point of view, no, when you think of the penalty, you think of Morelos sending up, sending off. I think uh, the the issue of inconsistency is the the biggest one that we'll have. Yeah, I think there's certainly some very questionable decisions in the game. The other one that's been causing a bit of a stucci online was on the penalty itself. The yellow card was flashed at uh, Nico Katic, quite understandably for the shirt pull, but then the yeah. referee issued another yellow card um, and nobody could really figure out what had happened. Then video footage emerged on social media of what looked like Scott Brown striking, um, I think, James Tavernier in the face. And people started yeah. to wonder if it was Brown that had, that had got the booking and therefore then had been booked twice without being sent off. Um, but I spoke to a contact at the SFA this morning and they have said that basically it was the, the referee looked uh, to give Katic the yellow card, but he wasn't looking at him. And because of the high-profile nature of the game, he wanted to make sure that, yeah. uh, that, that, that Katic had seen that he was booked and very, very quickly, because it's literally in a split second, raised the yeah. card again. Um, yeah. Rangers fans have been and on at me already after I, I wrote that story saying, well, the, the footage doesn't back that up. But listen, that's what that's what no, the SFA are saying. And very quickly and after listen, the game, I, I should I, add... I, I accept that, Johnny. Yeah. I, think, <clears throat> I did think it was strange at the time when I see them kind of flashing the yellow twice but it would be strange it would be strange to give a penalty in the box and then book a player from either team that that wouldn't make sense because then how do you you would then ask the question well if you've seen Scott Brown striking James Tavernier why is it not a foul to, to Rangers no what what happened first I mean that is just that would be crazy I, mm. I, I accept uh I actually accept the explanation for that. And, and looking back on it now, if you actually watch it again, it does look as if he's maybe you no know, fast it to Katic and then thought he didn't actually see 
he didn't actually see me giving him that, so he's kind of he's kind of shown it again. So it's I don't an, think that there's any issue with that. It's an interesting one from a referee point of view, though, and I would suggest that the SFA would probably have a word with the refs and say, "Listen, this is a perfect I, uh, example of why you shouldn't flash a yellow card twice." So for me, the yeah. better thing for him to have done there, flash that yellow card once, go up to him and say, "Nico, you do know you've just been booked." I don't know if you yeah, saw the card. Exactly. I'm not flashing it again, but you're in the book and I'm writing your name down. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah, the way that's, to do it because the, the problem that you have in that situation is that you give that that very distinct message to the stadium that there's been two players booked. I mean, us, you know, on Record Sport, we're doing the live blog from the game and you're going, Who, who's been booked here? And several yeah. media outlets reported that Christopher Julian had been booked in that instance. Right. But it wasn't until the SPFL... Uh, put out their uh, summary of the game that the only player that had been booked on the the 33rd minute was was Katic. So at that point, you're going, well, clearly there's been some sort of miscommunication here. But in that time, there's been a burgeoning explosion of uh, information suggesting, well, what's going on here and conspiracy theory and all the rest of it. Um, So it just shows you how important it is that the referee gives clear information. And for me, underlines why that A-League trial at the moment where you're actually hearing what the referees say yeah, I think could add so much to the game. Yeah, I'd be in favour of that. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't think it'll ever happen. Oh, of course uh, not. I don't think it'll ever happen <laughs> here, but, but I'd be in favour of it. Uh, I, I've said before, I mean, in terms of referees, I, I don't understand why referees um, after games, even if they don't want to speak uh, to media outlets or go on camera or go on uh, radio or anything like that, I, I don't understand why a referee... Uh, or there can't be a mechanism where an email gets sent out to to media outlets, you know, maybe an hour, two hours after a game. Just no big explanation of you know, every single decision or uh, a big run through the game, but just key points. I mean, everybody knows an hour after the game what the big decisions in the game were. Um, and I think an email being sent out from the, the league body of the SFA to say, no, here are kind of key moments in the game, and here's the decisions that were made, and I can have a very brief summary of why they were made. I think that would clear up a lot of the, a lot of the nonsense um, and a lot of the kind of fallout of it. I think it would it would kind of put a lot of stuff to bed early doors. Um, but I've spoken to the, the SFA about this. I've you know, sat in a room. I think you were there too. Yeah, with, I was. Yeah. Uh, Steve, Steve McLean. Referee, and they're just not keen on that at all. Not keen on any any form of communication um, in terms of explaining decisions. Um, I, I think that you no, know, they just think that they don't, they shouldn't have to explain decisions. Um, but I think in this in this day and age, um, you no, know, the technology you've got with the uh, kind of rise of social media and stuff, um, I think it would actually help them. I think it would help them to come out not long after the game um, and just put a few things to bed and just explain very briefly, here's why I made that decision, here's why I made this decision. Um, I'm not saying fans would be happy with it, but you've put it out there and you've you've said honestly why you made that particular decision. Uh, I think that would help everybody, but as I say, it won't won't happen. I absolutely agree, Scott. Listen, the most popular piece on the Daily Records website yesterday was, was a piece based on the IFAB laws of the game. You know, like, can you imagine that being the case 20 years ago? I know. That, that, this you, is a change in football and fans and how they consume their media. You love that, don't you? And I love it, yes. Um, oh. You know, but listen, I'm part of that generation. 
Because I yeah. love delving into the minutiae of football. And listen, there's a lot of people that don't agree with that and are not interested in it. Yeah. But there's a lot of people who really, really are interested in it. And yeah. I think that change has not really been addressed. I think the SFA are aware of this and are trying to get better in terms of getting the information across and are aware that a lot of the time if they get out in front of these things and release the information actually kills it stone dead. I think today yep. is a perfect example of that. Um, yep. But but I do think um, you know this is part of the change in way in which uh, the new generation who's grown up on football manager and FIFA and Sky TV covering yeah. uh, you know the Italian game and the Spanish game um I think there's a more there's a broader um desire to, to cover football in a, in, in, a, in a wider way that also includes much of the minutiae which I think people get really yeah. excited by and you know I'm one of those people so um <laughs> I understand it fully now listen um we could go on and on and on um and yeah. there's many controversies but I kind of what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through the questions Scott and I'll, and I'll try and interpret the questions uh, in a way that, that covers everything as well. So the, the first one's yeah. from Chris McLaughlin. He said, why can't Celtic take defeat like a normal club, normal fans? Obviously, having a wee dig at the Celtic fans there, Scott, but I think he's also talking about, I think a number of the pundits have come out and slaughtered Stephen Gerrard's celebrations after the game. It seems a little, you know, there's yeah, a bit of deflection going on here, you know, like Stephen yeah. Gerrard's celebrations. That, I think we've seen that's not that, that's nonsense, Johnny. I mean, any criticism of Stephen Gerrard and you know, how he celebrated is just is just nonsense. Uh, and I think there's there's some sour grapes for you know for certain certain people. I mean, Gerrard did nothing wrong in his celebration. I've seen far worse uh, for people or far people being far more animated um and in far lesser games or getting lesser lesser results. So um I don't think there should be an issue with that. Listen, Celtic let's not beat about the bush. Celtic have had it their own way for the past de- for this decade pretty much. Um and in terms of winning titles, winning trophies. They've won the last ten trophies. Uh, Rangers have been pretty much nowhere to be seen. It's going to be hard to take for Celtic and the supporters who, let's be honest, will have no three or four years ago would have thought ten in a row was an absolute formality. No Rangers were so far behind on and off the pitch. Uh, Celtic, no as we all know, have got money in the bank. There's cash reserves there to go and to go and strengthen the team. Maybe they haven't done that as well as they as well as they should have. Um, in, in which case they might have been they might have been uncatchable. Um and listen, Celtic could still go and win another another treble this season uh, quite easily. They've got a squad to do it. They've got money to spend in January. Um but I think the reaction, uh, a lot of the stuff you're talking about uh, is is going back to what I said at the start of the at the start of this is that you know they now realise that not only is there a, a genuine title challenge there but there's a team across the city that have been put together in a year and a half and I think worryingly for, for the supporters and probably for Neil Lennon is the, the level of football that Rangers are playing and the, the dominance that they've showed in the last uh, the last couple of games. And listen, I think when you when your team when your team dominates for so long and have had it their own way for so long, it's gonna be it's going to be hard to take when, uh, when when somebody comes and kind of knocks you knocks you off your perch, and that's that's the danger for Celtic now. I think that's why you've seen um, a real overreaction in, in certain quarters to the to the result on Sunday. 
Well, Scott, I don't think you've got to answer this one, really. I think you've kind of answered it earlier with your praise. But at Danny Kingham has said, what did Scott give Glenn Kamara out of 10? <laughs> thought he was brilliant. Brilliant again. Brilliant again on Sunday. Uh, certainly wasn't a six. Um, I think I gave him a seven last week, so I'll, I'll put him up to an eight. I think he got an eight on Sunday. That's fair enough. Uh, Labelle Genie says, we Scotty will be in his element. Wouldn't be surprised if he's not already written to the relevant parties asking for Gerard to be made a sir. Has that letter gone in, Scott? <laughs> <laughs> it, has, it hasn't yet, no. Sir Stephen I'm Gerrard. A, I'm a big admirer of Stephen <laughs> Gerrard, but that's maybe, uh, that's maybe taking it too far. Scott, I think this one, this question, maybe would, people would expect us to ignore, but we're not going to ignore it. A number of people asking about what they regard as a media bias against Alfredo Morelos. I'm going to, I'm going to start on this one. I think I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. I don't believe there is a media bias against Alfredo Morelos. I think we on this podcast have praised him to the hilt over two years. Uh, within two months of him arriving at Rangers, we were calling for him to get a new contract. I think he's the best player in Scotland. I think you agree. Um, yep. And uh, we've we've certainly focused heavily on what the positive aspects he brings. The reason there is so much media coverage about Alfredo Morelos is because he's a huge fish in a small pond. He is yeah. the biggest name in this league. He scored 28 goals already this season. Um, he's a Colombian international. Colombia are a very, very prominent football nation, and he is going to be probably their main striker or one of the, the two because Zapata's a very, very good player that plays for Colombia over the next 10 years. I don't yeah. think there's any doubt in many people's minds that he's going on to much bigger things in his career. Rangers will not be able to get a better player than Alfredo Morelos. I doubt we'll see a better striker than Alfredo Morelos in Scotland over the next decade. Um, he's that good. Um, if we do, it'll be some signing. And I think that is why he has been the subject of so much discussion. Because you couple all that in with the fact that he's had a few red cards um, and he's such a um, temperamentally combustible character. He's just a fascinating individual and I think that yeah, is why people are talking about him. But he's, Johnny, he's also a guy, you know, whether Rangers like it or not, and Rangers should actually like this, he is a player opposition fans will love to hate. Yeah. No, he's just he's just that type of player. And Rangers should be delighted about that. Should absolutely be thriving on it. Um certainly Steven Gerrard will be thriving on it. Um no, his style of play, his his quality, his his character, you know, sometimes his behaviour on the pitch. Not just Celtic fans, I think every fan in Scotland, you no, know, now no, loves to get on Morelos's back and don't want to see him doing well. Um, but I think he, I think he relishes that and thrives on it, uh, and that's how he's got the the, the twenty eight goals. Um, as I say, listen in general terms, is there as a media bias against him? No, I, I wouldn't say so. I know a lot of guys in the media, no, out with our papers, guys I work with every day, who think Morelos is a no a phenomenal player uh, for, for Rangers and will go into bigger uh, bigger and better things eventually um, no, of course guys no, ex-Celtic players and that are, are pundits listen their team no, they're hurting a bit their teams get beat no, there's a danger that their team's going to lose the lose the league um, no, they might be clutching at, uh, clutching at straws in some ways trying to kind of um, no, trying to get at Morelos or get at Rangers or whatever that's 
listen, that that's that's still firm for you. That's you know, like, when it's come to ex players who have got an association with a team, it shouldn't really be a surprise that they're having a dig at uh, a dig at the opposition. Um, as I say, Morelos is a player. Opposition fans, you heard it on Sunday. Every time, every time you get the ball on Sunday, even when he wasn't doing anything controversial, the Celtic fans were baying for his were baying for his blood. Um, he's just got that in him. He's riled them. He riles other sets of supporters as well. But listen, Rangers, for a Rangers' point of view, they should actually absolutely be loving that because it's showing that Morelos is performing well. It's showing that he's a huge uh, a huge asset. And I think the player himself thrives on. I think without that, you'd probably be taking taking a wee bit away away from. Him. I think he feeds he feeds off of that. Of course, the discipline thing uh, has been a has been an issue. It certainly was was last season. He's improved massively this year. There's no doubt about that. I've already said uh, on here that no, he didn't deserve. I don't think he merited the the red card on Sunday. I thought it was unfortunate. Should they have been making gestures to the Celtic fans after the game eh, as he walks off the pitch? No. Um, I don't think it's wise for any player to make any kind of gestures. But no, in terms of... We've seen it for so many players and managers making gestures to... to I, I, don't, I don't know how you can look at one gesture and say it's any worse than any, any worse than the other. The bottom line is you should be making gestures as you, as you come off the pitch. Um, and I'm sure Gerard will have a... No, we'll have a word with him about that. Um, but as I say, some of the reaction to it has been a bit, has been a bit over the top. But a lot of it, as I say, is just off the back of uh, Celtic being the dominant force, getting everything their own way, winning every trophy, um, and now there's a, you know, there's a serious threat to that. Um, and suddenly the destination of this, this title is up for, is up for real conjecture when. Certainly, a couple of years ago, um, ten in a row looked an absolute shoe in for for Celtic, and that'll be that'll be a worry for them that, that it now isn't. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a few questions as well on the sort of Ryan Gun Ryan Kent Gun celebration that people are talking about. Are we getting sort of through the looking glass with some of this stuff? Uh, you know, like are we? You know, not talking about the football, talking about some. Some it's tiresome, Johnny. I mean, honestly, celebrations for goals. <laughs> I mean, I know people have said it on Twitter. I mean, the Robbie Keane one's the perfect example. I mean, were people talking about uh, guns and shooting people when Robbie Keane was doing it? I mean, I just don't... Listen, that's just, it's just the old firm. It's madness <laughs> after an old firm game. I mean, the fallout from it never ceases to amaze you. <laughs> obviously, obviously, social media has made it go even bigger. Uh, I thought it was a brilliant game on Sunday. Again, like the cup final, uh, we spoke about you know, being an advert for Scottish football, people doing South Watch. And I thought it was a brilliant game on Sunday. Um, no, Rangers are the better of it, but it was end to end for a while. There was real excitement. I thought there was actually some real quality, particularly from Rangers in the first half in terms of the football that they played. No, to get caught up after it and no goal celebrations or, or gestures to to fans. I mean, it just that that's just ridiculous to me. Um, no, we should be talking about the football, talking about Rangers' victory, talking about what it does for the for the league title, um, and no anything else just isn't isn't really worth talking about. 
I'm uh, going to end with this question from uh, at Tresca101. He says, it's been a tough decade and we've had a few false dawns. Is this the moment we'll look back on as the day the pendulum swung? Scott, I know that's asking you a huge question to make a huge call, but th- th- there was a feeling that just yesterday, that Sunday was a wee bit different. Yep. Well, listen, I'll stick my neck out, Johnny, and say that it will be. Um no, only time will tell because ultimately for it to be a, a, a turning point and a key moment, Rangers need to go on and, and win the title. Um, but I think there's a real chance of that happening now. Um, I had my doubts about this Rangers team. I, I've you know, I've written stuff, I've written columns um, about the, you know, the kind of mentality of this Rangers team, <clears throat> whether they could go to Celtic Park and win. Uh, when it really mattered, they've no, they've done that. Uh, Gerrard's proved they can put a team together and dominate Celtic. Uh, two games in the spin now, two big games in the spin. So I don't think there's any doubt doubts now about whether this Rangers team can go on and win the title. I think they can if they maintain the level of consistency, level of performance, and level of uh, mentality um, when it comes to the big, you know, the next two Old Firm games. Uh, obviously, there might be a, a Scottish Cup game in there as well at some point, but... Might, I, there might be I'll, a um, Europa League clash in the last 16, yeah, could, Scott. Oh, God. Can you imagine? <laughs> Jeez, oh. I've got my holidays booked um, for that week. Oh, Jesus. Um, no, so listen, I, I'll stick my neck out and say I think I think this could be the, the moment that you look back on when the, the pendulum swung. Um I think Rangers are in, are in pole position now to go and to go and win this title. Um, they've got next old firm game. They'll be at home. I think uh, at their next seven league games, five are at home. They've been really strong at Ibrox. You would expect them to go and win those. Um, Celtic, I think, will make some changes in January. I think Neil Lennon will bring in. Well, he's already said he'll bring in at least two players, um, possibly three or four. Um, I think it could be three. I think he'll go for a centre-back, um, a midfielder and a striker <clears throat> to try and give them, uh, to try and strengthen that squad and give them a bit more uh, a bit more quality, certainly certainly up front. Um, but who knows how that's going to work out. I mean, is he going to go and get, well, is Neil Lennon going to go and get a, a better midfielder than, than Glenn Kamara or better than what he's already got? Um, is he going to be able to go and get a guy in January that does put a serious uh, challenge into Odson Edward to start every week at centre forward? Um, and I mean, he's going to go and try and get a centre back, presumably as a kind of, no, a kind of third choice centre back to battle it out with Ayer and Julian. But is he going to go and get a third choice centre back better than than Nico Katic, for instance, who is pretty much Rangers' third choice centre back, but proved. Uh, on Sunday, beyond any doubt, that he can he can come in and do a job and can come in and cope with that that pressure. So it's okay saying Celtic have got money to spend and they'll go out and strengthen. No, it's difficult to get it right in January in that market. It can disrupt your squad that's already there if guys are suddenly been been left out. So there are big question marks um, for Celtic, and I think Rangers with a game in hand, which you expect them to win these home games coming up. No, they're in a really good position, really strong position, um, to go and kind of lead for the front at the top of the at the top of the table. Um, and I think if they do that and they do get this title, you will look back on on that game on Sunday and think that was the that was the turning point. 
Okay, Scott, we'll call it a day there. We've done uh, nearly an hour, so I'll let you get back to your uh, festive time off. Um, yep. So, uh, yes, go, go and enjoy yourself. Have a, no have problem. A, have a pint. Um, I'll be yeah, stuck I... here in the office, but never mind. We can't have everything. <laughs> I was off last week. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, guys, to discuss anything we've said in the podcast today, you can on Twitter. I'm at Johnny R. McFarlane, and Scott is at Scott McDermott 8 If you'd enjoy the podcast, pop onto iTunes and give us a five-star review, as this helps us get as many listeners as possible and increase the level of debate around the show. Um, until next time, and I think it'll be next week now, Thanks for listening. Let your body use your mind, use your mind, let your mind, use your body, let it drain and flow, flow. Let your body-